Good afternoon, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Canada Talk. I'm Elvis Morning, my co-host as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Hope everybody's doing well. You know, Premier League season's well underway now. Everybody's starting to, you know, start to decide, but, you know, Arsenal taking on Chelsea at the Emirates, and even though there's the first home game back after, what, 18 months, I think it was still a kind of a nerve-wracking affair at, at, at the Emirates Stadium, regardless. Yeah, you know, coming up against the European champions, I mean, I think, like, I mean, of course, look, we kept our, you know, a little smidgen of hope. But, I mean, look, the media already wrote us off, uh, you know, before the, like, you know, days before the fixture. Um, also, with that news, you know, with, with Lacazette and them still out with, with the COVID thing, or you know, the latter parts of it. Um, and... But, but I think the only bright spark, bright a bit of news on the day was Aubameyang being on the bench, you know, so you can actually see some sort of progress, you know, with this ever, you know, growing at times, it seems, uh, injury and, and, and sick list by Arsenal. Um, that being said, also, I think uh, prior to the game, Arteta did mention that luck as it was, I think, a few sessions short of, you know, being included in the squad. Uh, and um, Gabriel was also now already in, in training already. I mean, I think, it, like, you know, leading up to the the Man City game that we're still going to talk about later, there's also talk that he's also maybe a few sessions short, but could even, you know, slot in on the bench again there. Um, you know, going into the match, it looked like a very, it was like, on paper, it looked like a very thin Arsenal squad because you're expecting to see, you know, sort of big names, uh, you know, popping out there, but. It was almost like a squad, it's almost like, uh, I would say, just, you know, slapped together. Because we went into this, the, the game with uh, Leno and then uh, Cedric holding Marie Tierney, then Lokonga, you know, playing in front of the defence, and Xhaka, then the in front of them, Pepe, Smith-Rowe, and Saka, and then leading the front line, Martinelli. What was your thoughts on that squad? I think it was a lineup that very much um, lacked experience. It didn't have that... Um... Yeah. Tactical knives, you would say. Mm. It'll be players that's still very naive in the game. I'm not saying they're not good players. I'm not saying they, they're they not t- class talents, but they're very naive in the game. I think they fell for... for they, were, they were likely to fall for a lot of, of, of things of Chelsea. And I think Tuchel, just like Klopp did and just like Pep did, we always thought that he might try to kind of figure Arteta out from his lesson he learned when they lost in that 1-0. And I think they came up, you know, set up very strong. And I think they came with a pure number nine, something they've been missing for a long time now, and and um, maybe over you know, the past two seasons. And and they just seemed a, a different beast um, with their starting lineup. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I want to also try, you know, like as we know, we're going to do the rundown of the game. But I mean, I'm I'm trying to also take positives out of the match. But you know, it, it's so few and far between. Because, I mean, within the first five minutes, Chelsea already started figuring out, you know, the tactic of Arteta. And also, we exactly they are going to start trying to expose and, and overload with players and that. And, you know, in that, first, I think it was also that, as I mentioned, on the fourth minute, it was, you know, just that little period where it took them to figure that out. And then, I mean, you could see already the effect because all of a sudden they were spreading the ball immediately to Reese James. And I mean, he was making it almost like a living nightmare for Kieran Tierney because Saka was being drawn every time, either way forward in an attacking role or way too central. So 
you know, you sort of had this big gulf of space between uh, left back and uh, whether it was like the left wing on the day should be playing. And I mean, look, Saka, you got to depend on, on him to cover that corner. And, and most like with Lokonga, he was almost like supposed to almost like try to make ground going to the far left side. Even somebody like Martinelli was actually needed up front. He's he also at that. And I, I just thought to myself, it was very naive by Arteta because if you see there's already a warning sign, why aren't you doing anything? Because I really thought he's going to be more proactive when he sees, okay, we're being exposed there. And like, because look at it, already took early warning shots from, from Chelsea, right? Leading up to, to you know, that uh, Lukaku's inevitable goal, and of course. But I mean, I just thought to myself, you know, do something or, or try to just block it off. Even if you have to, uh, you know, to play this sort of negative football just to negate that sort of attack. Yeah, I know. It just seems a teacher doesn't seem to to. Um, he seems like a guy who likes to die in his own sword. Like even if, I don't even remember that the semi-final against Villarreal. Say was on the yellow card, and I could tell you as a and you could also probably see and the listeners could see. Sebayos would pick up a red card. He was battling and Arteta didn't take him off. And what happened? He gets a red card. And you could see Chelsea were playing down down our left-hand side consistently. They were just waiting for an avenue to open up. But like you said, you know, Arteta didn't tell Saka or someone to just sit in tight in that pocket. And let's just, let's just try to hold on. But for def- like, you know, just, just um, get our footing in the game for, for the next 10 to 15 minutes. And I mean, look, it was also a game where Pablo Marie, I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of, but I mean, he was having a shocker of a game. I mean, if I thought the Brentford game was bad, this one took it to another <laughs> level. Because, I mean, he was being almost like bumped around like a ragdoll, a bit like Coquelin against Hazard a few years ago. Yeah. And it's not like he could not get the grasp on it. And, you know, I, I don't want to jump too far forward, but I mean, there was a point where, at, like with the with pundits talking with Tony Adams was saying, why are they always, when, when you're defending against a guy like Lukaku, why are they always standing behind him? You try to either side 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 to side with him and, and kind of almost like bump him off the ball or, or just put some weight on him. Or you try to always steal ahead of him. But it's not like yes. but always waiting to see, okay, you take the ball, you bring it. And in that time, it, and I mean, Lukaku's a clever player because, I mean, we've seen it at, uh, not really much at, at Man United, but you saw it at Inter Milan, you saw it also at Everton where, you bring the ball down, and any cam that's coming towards him, he's gonna just lay it off to him. So that, like, that's how Mason Mount is feeding off every time. I don't know if you picked up also on it, where Mason Mount was just picking up every bit of scraps that, that he was like laying off with it, uh, you know, either chasing the ball down or heading the ball down in his path. No, I, I 100% agree. I think it was, it was it was very laughable at one stage of of how Arsenal was just allowing Chelsea to dictate, and it got embarrassing and like you know. Once again, you, you're watching your team getting dominated by, by, by another team and you're asking yourself, you know, is Arsenal going to find themselves, uh, uh, figure this um, Chelsea out before it's too late? Because Chelsea were consistently, like I said, exploiting that left-hand side. And I mean, look, the 15-minute breakthrough, of course, comes through. Uh, Kovacic feeds the ball to uh, Daniel James, who, you know, cuts the ball, you know, quite sharply across the, the box. And I mean... I knew when I saw all that confusion happening because, look, Lukaku actually starts the move when he lays the ball off and, and the ball just gets spread. I mean, of course, where Arsenal's biggest gaping weak link was on that side. 
And I mean, by the time by the time he lays the ball off, he's already you know gunning it to the six yard box. And then by the time the, the cross comes in from from Reece James, it was he ends up just tapping it easy goal one 0 Chelsea. Yeah, his first. Uh, I just laughed because it's his first Chelsea goal. Um, you know, in, the, in, in on his debut, but like second debut, but after you know, ten years later after making his proper debut. Um, but I mean, you know, it was so fitting for a player to do a nice stat against Arsenal. And the only thing that rang through my head is if we get to half time one nil down, we're gonna probably not get to win this game because that stat, you know, it stays through if Arsenal go in a goal down at half time. We don't seem to win. So I thought, you know, where is this going to going to come right? But you know, Lo and behold, you know, we didn't learn from that first goal and, Chal- and the Chelsea kept on doing the same thing. And we, and you look at the ball after that goal, you know, where was Saka? He was yeah. nowhere to be found. He, he was letting um, Reese James have the freedom of the Emirates. And I mean, for me, what, what was really annoying was you get these, you know, like football experts and they're going like, um, you know, they're giving Tierney the blame. Look at, blame can be spread throughout, yes, but... When you needing, like when you need now your your you know like the left midfield or left side midfielder or left winger to help you at the back, he has to come help you because I mean it, it ends up with Tierney not knowing should he try to you know go for somebody like Mount should he try to blo- you know uh, block off or double up with with uh, Marie with with Lukaku, but I mean all time he I mean you could see when Reese James gets the ball you can already see that the gears churning in his head because he already knew okay. I'm going to get myself to the edge of the box and nobody's coming to tackle me and then I'm not whooping. And I mean, it was like, what, six minutes later? Again, yeah. Sam Lukaku just headers over again, winning an uh, easy header past the uh, Arsenal defenders. But again, like shocking defence all around and interplay by Arsenal as well. Just nobody is reading anything. And, you know, you see Arteta flapping his arms and, and <laughs> you know, gesturing. But I mean, if it's got... I think we, you and I mentioned it a lot of times on the podcast also. When you do this training and you're preparing like for days and days, I mean, look, they had oh, like roughly a week to prepare for this game. Yeah. And you still have to just and tell them what to do. How, <laughs> how can you go on like this? Yeah, I know it's, it's, I don't know, is it a case of these players are uncoachable or is it just that they're just not listening to our data or it's not, what they're doing at training is not working because, I mean, like you said, um, these guys, you could see what Chelsea were doing and they, they scored almost an identical second goal, like you said. Lukaku, you know, powering through, um, I think it was Marie again, and then James free in, in front of goals. You know, like it was that repairing down on goal and he just thought goal and he, he started it so coolly past Leno. Yeah, Arsenal got 2-0 down. Time, I mean, he had over enough time to actually place his shot because you can actually see he make you know, slowing down, walking with the ball and then looking where he must place it and then he just smacked it past Leno. Sorry for the interruption, we had a bit of a technical problem, but um, as we were saying, uh, yeah, Lukaku then ends up laying the ball for Reese James, and I mean, he ends up putting it for, for a 2-0 lead going into halftime. And I mean, then, then I don't know what sort of, I mean, was all the fight gone in you already? Yeah, no, I, I, like I said, I, I could have put the TV off and because I, I didn't know what was, I, I really knew that there was probably going to be nothing from our side. We just, yeah. at 0-0, we didn't seem hungry enough to actually, you know, Take it, take the game to the next level. Like I, 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 I couldn't see it. Like I don't know what, what I mean. We couldn't do it against Brentford. 
I did not see us coming back. At, 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 and, and I'm being honest with you, like, if we had to come back and throw the game, I would have been thrilled, but I did not see that happening. I mean, something I just did forget to, to mention was that collision in the 41st minute between uh, Reese James and, and Saka. Uh, you know, look, sometimes it can go this way, sometimes it can go that way, but that is something that I wish also that Saka kind of irons out of his game because... You know, it's almost like it's starting to build up to a sort of reputation. And, I mean, you saw how some refs pick up, you know, things like this. Like, same with, with the problem that Man United had with Daniel James, where, yeah, you know, you would always go down. And sometimes when he really gets a full contact hit, the ref will just think, no, nah, it's probably one of your acts again. And I think Saka is actually getting to that phase because, you know, that one game he ended up clipping his own leg or something and he, uh, you know, found, yeah, and he got the penalty. So I think he must really... Kind of iron that out because I mean, you don't want to go with us that you know in your career with a reputation like that. Uh, then, second off, I was thinking to myself, okay, maybe Chelsea kind of let off because you know, a uh, uh, bit of the, the pressure on that on the news that they had around us. But I mean, they just came and played the natural game. I'm still a force in the, in the second half. Marie and Holding, you know, denied Lukaku and Havertz a few times in the first, easily first five, seven minutes. Yeah. Then uh, Saka then she sees one of his shots tipped over by Mondi. I mean, that was actually the first real shot that kind of stung the ends of, of the Chelsea keeper. Um, holding then had a chance at the 59th minute. Again, a terrible hit. That's sometimes I don't know why, you know, bothers to go up. Because, I mean, it was it was actually a perfect sort of layup for uh, just a little, you know, uh, Bobby Meader to, to get it in. But, I mean, he ends up looping the ball over the bar and I think to myself, uh, we just got nobody to, that can really attack a ball. Even somebody like, uh, okay, not really David Luiz, but when, when Socrates was there with Luiz, they used to be, you know, awesome together because they would either yeah. force you into an error to, you know, as a lead up to a, an assist for somebody else's score, or they would actually just power in a header or something. Like that. But for me, it's like with Holding and, and Marie, Marie and, and even with Gabriel, sometimes he's on and off. But I mean, it's, it's like headers that, you should have been also training with these type of stuff at set pieces. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a real far cry at the moment. We, we, we're not dangerous in the box for corners. And I mean, you know, when you're in, you in bad, vein of form, you know, nothing's coming off. Yeah. I think corners are, are, your, are your way in. You know, I've, you've seen many teams survive relegation just by making something happen with, with a corner or any set piece. Then 61st minute, Aubameyang uh, comes on for Saka. I mean, a good substitution. Although, I, I mean, for me, there were some others also that were kind of lagging because I just thought to myself, we should have been more adventurous. You're already chasing the game at 2-0. So, I mean, you might as well give it a, a right go because we're still playing, you know, almost like over, overly cautious, having two midfielders really sitting deep. Because, I mean, if you look at the sort of array that, that, that of passes of Lokonga, you know you can't actually trust him to, to spray the ball around. You don't need yeah. like Saka that, that don't have the legs to carry him in, in the sort of game. Because, I mean, that was probably the easiest game in midfield for all the Chelsea players, the way they were dominating the ball and like pinging the ball around us. Yeah, and, and, and Saka, you know, it just seems like he doesn't have that, that you know, what he had last season... When he was, you know, even though, you know, he wasn't shooting the lights out, but, you know, you could look at his performance and say, you know, he was easily our best player or, you know, he put in a good shift, but you don't even notice him on the field anymore, not even picking up a yellow card. Yeah, 
I don't know if he's if he's not happy about the fact that he's moved to Roma got stopped or I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, I just think to myself, he's somebody, I mean, he's either going to perform well like he does for, for Switzerland when he is now, you know, players around him that can protect him. But now it also sounds like you're going to have to stand on your own two feet here, yeah. you know, fight your own battles because you're going to really depend on too many, you know, really, uh, you know, uh, sticking the foot in for you. Uh, then uh, back to the game, 63rd minute, uh, Martinelli didn't end up coming on also for what was it for? What did he come on for? Oh, sorry. What? No, no, sorry, sorry. I'm just getting a bit confused. Martinelli then had a chance 63rd minute. We ended up, you know, doing a run and shot, but I mean, the shot was also so tame. It looked like a back pass. Uh, 66th minute, Tavares then came on for Tierney. Uh, you know, Arsenal looked a bit more energetic, but it's almost like you, you bring on somebody with oomph to their game, but I mean, the rest of yeah. it looked so lackluster and slow because, I don't know if you saw, there was also a, a little moment, I mean, some some picked it up, I don't know how many, but it was where uh, Arteta ended up calling Smith to the touchline, and the two of them were having almost like kind of words, and, and it was like you could see Smith Rowe was almost like, you know, gesturing with his hands, almost like, I don't know what you want me to actually, exactly to do because you're almost like trying to tell me to you know, go forward, but also I have to, you know, shield the other back because we also being overrunning midfield. So it's like you could see that. I mean, I really felt for him because he was trying. Even some like Pepe was also trying, but it's like you're just running to brick walls the way Chelsea are sitting up or, or the way two goals as his team set traps for us. Yeah, I mean, a two 0 down. Chelsea didn't need to chase anything. I mean, two 0 up for them. Yeah. They didn't need to chase anything. All they needed to do was kind of grind out and make sure they just frustrate Arsenal. And you know, Arsenal at the moment don't seem to have any answers. Yeah, then 79 minute Balogun then ends up coming on for Martinelli. Uh, but I mean, it's also just <laughs> it was just a, you know a just a sub being made. There's no <laughs> benefit to. I mean, because for me, I also saw nothing that was going to add to. I was already chasing the game at 2-0 down. Um, you know that, you know, as the game now draw and wound it to its, you know, sorry end. But I mean, it was an embarrassing defeat. Um, for me, loads of errors that could have been, you know, stopped in certain areas. I mean, for me, that, that especially the thing that you and I have been hopping on now, that uh, Tierney and, and Saka, the way they end up, oh, the way Saka end up, you know, not covering his defence. And then, of course, also... Us being really blunt in attack, uh, Arteta not being almost like proactive enough because I really thought, you know, even before the game started, I thought we we're going to be a bit more adventurous. I'm not saying go, you know, gung ho and you know, making an ass of yourself, but I just think to myself, we were like sitting ducks, we were like we're waiting to be punched, and that instead of trying to make something happen ourselves, I mean, we're the home team, but it's almost like you see a very and the that's I mean I'm, I'm sorry if I hop on it the whole time, but uh, he does remind me a lot of Mourinho. And I'm not talking about Mourinho when he was in a successful period. I'm talking about the latter part of, of him, like in England, where he's only just playing safe, just not to lose. But I yeah. mean, the way we defend, it's already going to cost you. Then you chasing the game with a blunt attack. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just not working out. And like you said, you know, so why didn't we go like three? At five at or three at the back with wing backs, and then uh, you know that seems to be working more under the, with this group of players. But he's like, I know we did say he must switch up formations from last season when we were trying that three, four, three, or three, something like that. When you play three at the back, and it wasn't working, but.
but like for most part, this does work. But I mean, it just um, I I think a game against Chelsea, I think we needed to be a bit more compact and 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 more defensive. But it just seemed we 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 didn't have that. And like you said, embarrassing defeat two nil to to Chelsea, and we were facing the worst probably. Or I was even coming up against West Brom. And I mean, I've heard also pundits going to the game. We they were were saying like you know if you play a team like Chelsea look normally if you play a, a team you know say outside the top ten you try to you know mix things up or whatever but against Chelsea why didn't you go like I heard even Kevin Campbell says so why didn't we go the same um, formation as them go toe to toe with them in their formation but it's like we try to do the four four two three one or whatever and then I mean uh, you got those big spaces. I mean, that was a topic of discussion by many football shows that I watched, where they were saying the sort of gulf that there is, and it wasn't like once Chelsea isolate you, your defence from your midfield, then you're screwed, because now you're going to have to, you got somebody like Martinelli coming, having to come back from up front to go help in defensive midfield, because there's not enough legs going around the, like, uh, Jaka can't do a, a fast press, and Everything is so slow. I mean, sorry if you guys can hear. I mean, it's just not the poor here. I mean, because the microphone picks it up. But um, if you now want to play a high press, play it with a bit more tempo because everything is so slow. You watch, like say, Brentford. That is how you do press. I mean, sometimes it can take, uh, you know, some, you know, the legs out of you. But I mean, then you again have a different way. Then you play a possession game. Everybody catches the breath and then you go start again. Oh, it's so frustrating, and uh, oh, uh, like I said, I'm I'm lost for words. Actually, like you said, they, they, uh, remember when Arsenal need to lose to an Angelotti, Chelsea, under Wenger, there wasn't a gulf of class between the teams. It was just basically, you know, Chelsea was set up discipline, and they just hit us on the counter. It wasn't a case of being battered and bruised, actually, and you you just feel that there's no hope, you know, for Arsenal. And and like I said. Hence against, like, you know, leading up to the Carabao Cup game, I, I still kind of fear the worst. Like, are these guys are going to show up? Or, you know, could we see Arteta getting the, the close to the boot, probably? I mean, I think what did surprise me, I mean, I, I also went through that mindset going to the Carabao Cup fixture against West Brom, what you now mentioned. Because, look, West Brom are flying high in, in the championship. Um and I was thinking, I was, I was kind of worried, but then when I saw that West Brom were putting out like the, uh, you know, just you can say the B team or the, you know, under twenty three squad, um, I was actually thinking to myself, okay, they, you can see where their priorities lie. And I mean, of course, and then of course you saw that they had one little embarrassing stat to show the value of the the uh, West Brom team that was on the field on that on like last night, and it was like ten million pounds. And the show Arsenal's like 261 million letters on the field. Oh. <laughs> but you can just see what you missed out kind of with the players, you know, some key players um, the weekend against Chelsea as well. Yeah, and I mean, look, Arteta was reading the changes, choosing a way more experienced squad. Um, it was also a case of, you know, to get a rapid response out of the squad. And I mean, uh, like seeing the squad with only holding... Saka, Xhaka and Pepe, you know, keeping their place in the side. It was also nice to see, uh, you know, uh, Odegaard coming in, Obama, and finally, you know, getting a, a full start. And I mean, even Alneni was was nice because I mean, he didn't, mm-hmm. you know, he offered him something like something different that we've been missing. You know, that just just the five safe pass that we've been missing, even the I mean, basic passes. Yeah, and then 
Like, you know, onto the game. And Ramsdale's debut as well. Don't forget. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, a lot of us expect of him, but I think I saw a lot of people, you know, at, at the start, I mean, he was at the, you know, you did now have the certain quarters in the fan base that, you know, very negative regarding him. I mean, I look, I know you and I also had our differences. Yeah. You know, the sort of money was being bounced around. But there were certain points we can actually see in the game and you see him now, where he's actually, when the ball is at his feet, he doesn't, like, you can see Leno sometimes ends up, you know, like throwing the ball onto him, throwing it, and then more players are closing in. Yeah. But, I mean, he actually looks, we can actually, he played quite a few dissecting passes, actually, where his, his weight on the ball is actually perfect going to, like, when he was picking his midfielders up. Um, you know, onto the game again. Uh, 17th minute, we then end up scoring from Aubameyang after a great work by Saka, who ends up, I think he drew, drew like, I think, Three or four West Brom players onto him, and he still weren't his way through. He's a powerful shot to keep, of course, Paris. And I mean, Aubameyang is there to finish 1 0 Arsenal. And it's good to get our first goal of the season, not of the Premier League, but just of the season. Yeah. But just going back, kind of backtracking a bit to Ramsdale, I think, you know, uh, as, he, as he, he had a performance through the game, like he, he, for me, he felt a bit of a stronger presence in the air as well. I don't know if, yeah, if you yeah. had that feeling, like he just seemed a stronger keeper. But like you said, you know, 1-0 Arsenal. And, you know, we did kind of switch up the formation, if I wasn't mistaken, I think, as well, compared to what we used. I think we had, like, a, th- a back three with, kind of, with, with um, I think it allowed Saka, but more freedom with not having to attack back with Tafaris as your, um, as, as a, a left wing back. And, and he looked excellent. He looked very energetic yeah. and fresh. And I think you could even... You know, long term, maybe even slot him there. Have Tierney as that third centre back, maybe with you know Gabriel and Ben White, and then you kind of have him. Tafari is bombing down because then it allows Saka a bit more freedom and not having to track back. And you, you saw the difference when Saka is in the opposition half. But like you said, we are playing a ten million pound side. But I mean, like watching also something that stood out for me with Ramsdale. When they, whenever there was like corners, he would actually make a sort of mark on the pitch. Then he'll show the defender, okay, now you stand here. And then he'll yeah. back post. And he'll make a sort of like dot or, or spot on the on the back post. And he shows another person, like, you know, you mark here. So they'll always like have a sort of, almost like a triangle around him. But it's also like just spacing the, the opponent from closing in on him too much. Um, well, back to the game again after we took the lead. Arsenal, of course, started knocking the ball around more, and you could see the sort of wind was like slowly going out of that West Brom kids. Then, 45th minute, Pepe ends up, you know, bursting through the the right flank, ends up hitting a shot that hits the base of the post, the ball, and comes out straight to Aubameyang, and I mean, he ends up just knocking the ball in two 0 Arsenal going to after. Yeah, there's an excellent um, 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 goal for him to get, you know, just so he can get that, you know, ring rust out of him and. Kind of have have the feel of the eating the back of the net once again. And then what was it? Um, barely a minute later again, <laughs> again Arsenal burst forward. I think the ball gets played fantastically with Saka not making the right back for West Brom. Then immediately, because I think that was also the thing that that was bothering me a lot. We sometimes will beat a player, but we take still two to three touches. And I think the minute Saka beat that guy, you already set Aubameyang on his way. And I mean Aubameyang, even of course, it's a keeper up. Tries to chip him, the keeper makes a save. Aubameyang then tries to, you know, <laughs> open the, the rebound, but I mean, he ends up skewing the ball, but the ball goes straight to Pepe, who taps in close range. 3 0 Arsenal. 
and, and you wonder to yourself, you know, maybe it wouldn't be so bad if Arsenal got relegated and played in the championship. You know, maybe we could actually win win a, win a league title. But, you know, 3-0 Arsenal and they just seemed like, you know, a team on possessed. And you kind of were thinking, you know, where was this Arsenal a few games ago? Yeah, because I mean, I was expecting something like this against Brentford, like that sort of yes. fast tikka football or, or Wenger ball or whatever ball you want to call it. <laughs> um, then second half, uh, again, Arsenal still dominant in the game. 50th minute, Odegaard does a pirouette assist. You know, perfect ball where Aubameyang ends up just letting the ball slide past him without touching the ball. And Saka, you know, bursts through on the overlap, gets the ball and then just powers past the keeper. 4-0 Arsenal. Yeah, Odegaard really showed what we were kind of missing, you know, and, and if this is the Odegaard that we signed, then, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's money well spent, and I, I just hope he can, he, he, he took the time to adjust to the league, and maybe we'll see a completely different player, but you, like you said, 4-0 Arsenal, and you were feeling sorry for West Brom, actually, but as an Arsenal fan, you kind of wanted more. Yeah, but you know, Aiden, one thing I, I was, also that's been, you know, bouncing my head, you know, with, with, I think, you know, the way Odegaard is playing, you can see what, as you said, you can see what we were like, missing. And maybe this is also something to fire on Smith Rowe now, because now we will see, okay, this is the sort of thing that, that I should be doing. Because yeah. as I said, I think you and I had a private chat also, where I said, I still don't see him as a number 10 yet, you know, to, to have it. Not only the number, but yes. that position of what the number 10 must do, because sometimes you'll, you'll slip past people, but he does not know when to do that. Either the killer pass or dissect the defense or even a, a little dink over the top. Or you don't have that to his game. I mean, of course, he's still young. He still, the still comes to his game. But I think somebody with Odegaard that has that sort of experience, he's like also international captain for Norway, who yeah. knows also what makes a, a thing tick when you're playing in that camera. I think this could also, you know, greatly, greatly benefit Smithro. Yeah, I know someone to learn from. I mean, he's all very young. You can't expect, you know, well done, his shoulders, uh, giving him the number 10 jersey and say to him, you know, make Arsenal tick. Yeah. Then 61st minute, Angela Maitland Niles didn't end up coming on. Odegaard came off. And I mean, I think this is our thinking, you know, to the Man City game on, on Saturday. Um, 62nd minute, Aubameyang then scores a peach of a goal. You know, fantastic build-up. Uh, ball falls to Maitland Niles, who drives the Arsenal team forward. Because I think it was like a 4v4, 4v5. You know, attack mode by Arsenal. And I mean, he just releases the ball in time. Aubameyang cuts inside and then, you know, he ends up beating a, a worldie to the top corner. 5-0 Arsenal. <laughs> I couldn't believe my eyes. There's this rugby score happening. You know, Arsenal struggling to find the net, you know, for, for, for long periods of time in in their past few games. You know, even last season, they looked goal shy. But it just seemed like they were, were playing the swagger and groove in a... I just hope they can carry on this momentum and and the top class finish from a Bamiang, Atrik and you know happy for him at this. Hopefully, this is a sign of things to come. Yeah, and I mean, look, he was catching a lot of flack from me, and I'm, I'm sure from you. And me, yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, fans also getting getting frustrated with you know almost like the lack of commitment at times. But I mean, he looked angry. He looked like he wanted you know once he got that taste of the first goal, you could see yeah. he wanted. One more, and, like, and that's what I liked in that five years back. Then, 67th minute, uh, Lacazette came on for Xhaka again, also, you know, with in mind with the, with the Man City game. And then, two minutes later, Pepe then ends up laying the ball on the edge of the box, and Lacazette comes almost like out of nowhere and he just smashes the ball past the keeper. 6 0 Arsenal. 
oh, a brilliant way to 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 um, come back on the field after COVID. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I suffered from COVID and I'm hoping I can make an appearance on the five-a-side pitch when I, when I make an appearance hopefully next week. So, uh, hopefully it took a fair out of luck as it's book. Yeah. So, 76th minute, Martin Alinen comes on for Aubameyang. Uh, then 79th minute, uh, Lacazette, you know, ends up beating a powerful shot at the keeper. Who makes a, you know, pulls off a good save. And I mean, even though take six down, I mean, it was still a good save to pull out at that point in the game. Yeah. So, I mean, Arsenal did see the game out to the end. Uh, we, and I mean, at the end of the game, we then found out that we play AFC Wimbledon at the Emirates in what's it, the middle of September, I believe. Yeah, that's the type of ties I'm looking for all the way to the semi-final of the competition. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so now we're starting to do the big one. Uh, Man City against <laughs> Arsenal. For me, you know, it's like, you know, this was like when the, when the, the fixtures came out in not was it, uh, early June, July. June 16th. It was June. It's almost like it, it was dreaded already by then. Because, I mean, it, it's like at the Etihad and a place like this, you know, it's almost like preparing for a root canal. You already feel that that, <laughs> that angst and that, that nervousness going into this game because I mean, you already know what's coming. Um, you know, total different approach will be needed about that because I think you. Have, I'm not saying we must, you know, just sit in our shells, but I think we have to just see that we move the ball faster, like even on, like either on the ball with passing or off the ball with you know running into pockets of space. Uh, one of the bits of news that actually came out, uh, I think either yesterday or sometime today, Kevin De Bruyne will be out for this game. Yes. And Phil Foden is still not, you know, ready to to enter the fray. But I'm mean, looking that people got like what was it, three million pounds even just on the bench. I mean, the squad is like over, you know, it was like something like half a billion already. And then you got still the you know the bench that you're not, uh, not even mentioning it. Uh, also, in other news with regards to Arsenal, uh, you know, in this game, as I said in the start of the podcast, Gabriel could even be, you know, getting a slot on the bench. Um, Saka will be, of course, assessed because, I mean, people are knocked later on yesterday in the game. And, I mean, what's your take with, you know, going into that setting? Yeah. I'm a bit nervous. I don't expect anything, but I think this is not the strongest side we've faced in a, I mean, there's, there's no real query. I think Sterling is probably the, the probably the biggest threat. But I, I don't fear Grealish because, like I said, I don't think he's, he was worth it hundred million. I don't think he's, you know, he's going to shoot the lights out. And I think Arsenal, if they can contain Sterling, I mean, there's no De Bruyne to pull the shots and call the shots. I, I really do think there's there's some sort of I mean, Kyle Walker is no probably one to watch, but I think Tierney could. Could take care of him on a, if, if they get on a one-on-one basis. I just think Arsenal shouldn't allow them freedom because if you can give City freedom, they can exploit you. But I don't think this is a, a City side that the strong City side we faced with the one with the David Silva, Sergio Aguero, Kevin yeah. De Bruyne. So I'm, I'm not saying we're gonna we're gonna win this game. I'm just saying I'm going to this expectation, and I'm sure you did before when the, stat, the season came out that. This was probably a game that was was going to be, you know, if we get anything out of it, it's a bonus. So I'm going in with a kind of, a, you know, I, I hope we just give a good performance. But I do think there's a bit of vulnerability in Man City. I mean, you saw Tottenham 
kind of took advantage of it because they're just lacking that killer instinct. I mean, I know they put five past Norwich, but yeah. no disrespect, it was Norwich. And I just think Arsenal, if they play the right players and, like I said, move the ball quicker, there can be some sort of hope against City. But that being said, listeners, I'm not saying, you know, sit there and believe we can we can run away with this game. And if we do lose to City, you know, you're going to you know, say Arteta out because I think, you know, we can't judge him. You know, even though I, I'm, I'm quite, you know, at the moment starting to get a bit fed up. But I know that, you know, tomorrow, Saturday's result doesn't really kind of, um, yeah. it's going to weigh yeah. anything. You've got to look a bit too much into it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, let's just switch our attention now to the talking points. Um, look, there was now, of course, speculation. I mean, I'm not really fully on it yet. I mean, there's rumours now floating around of that uh, PSG owner, one of his family members, that, that he is interested in, 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 you know, buying Arsenal. But I mean, of course, it's all, as I said, again, speculation. But I mean, for me, I just think to myself, I, I actually wish as an Arsenal fan, Look, we, we tried abiding by financial fair play rules and got kind of screwed over over the years, allowing teams like, uh, you know, Man City, uh, Chelsea to, you know, you know, jump miles ahead of us. In that yeah. sense. They always, you know, somehow found loopholes in it. And I just think now for me, like my personal take was, if we can even get taken over, like whether it's that, that egg, but I mean, that, that rumours also just kind of fizzled out. But I mean, anybody that can, you know, push us to that level, because it clearly shows you now when you look at this window alone. And I mean, also like that one fan that I showed you of in that little clip I sent you the other day. It's almost like now, if you want to have top players, you're going to have to make 100 million plus per signing, not just a combined figure of, you know, 100 and something million for like four or five players. Because I mean, yeah, the, no. the, the gamers are totally changed with. It's almost like what you call that financial doping, where it's not coming into the into play now. And I mean, it's coming in heavy because, I mean, if you think of, of Pep in six years spent a billion pounds on players, whether they flopped or succeeded. But I mean, look at that sort of money that you need to, you know, be that dominant in a league. Yeah, I think we do need some sort of massive injection in the club where, you know, you have like... You know, a, a, a command, a coach. I mean, you get a manager. You know, spends maybe on three players, three hundred million, or, or four, like four players, three hundred million. Where you just or two hundred million. Where it's just you know you're signing, you know, one player is like seventy plus million because that's what we need in a squad. Like two to three players of seventy plus million that can you know too much change the squad's mentality immediately. And I mean, look, you saw by now, you know, the game has changed so much. We we. You know, like a mediocre player. I'm I'm not going to mention the names of players in it, or like with us or other teams. But I mean, it's not like thirty million is already like for a mediocre player. Yeah, five no. to it's mediocre. And then if you want to really start getting into the you know the big guns, you you going in excess of fifty to hundred million. Then yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you look at um, Arsenal. I mean, yeah, look at looking at not Arsenal. Look at Liverpool. They signed Sadio Mane. And and Mo Salah for thirty and thirty six million. You know, that was a few years back. You're telling me, you know that you know the 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 football prices have changed in such a short period of time. I understand Ronaldo, eighty million back then, and maybe now like you know players are are, are going. You know, some players like the top of the range players are now you know top to to top class are going for about eighty million plus. But you can't tell me in the space of you know that like. Four or five years that 
summary of Mo Salah's quality, you know, was 30, 36 million and Mane and Salah. And now for 30 and 36 million, like you said, you're going to get a player that, you know, is not going to do anything to your squad. I mean, Wilfred Saar, no disrespect to him, is, you know, they're demanding a fee of 80 to 90 million. I mean, is that, you know, really yeah. worth that price? Yeah, it's worrying. But, I mean, look, I still think, uh, you know, Arsenal could still be, you know, with, with transfer window closing on, I think, Tuesday evening. I still think if, if I think Arteta also mentioned today in his press conference, if we can, I think, get rid of, like, a few more players, I mean, we could still dip into the market because I think we are still, uh, you know, a natural right-back short because I, I still would prefer... Because look, the more agile Callum Chambers is now at right back, I just think if he does get shoved into centre back, it gives us another option in defence with him because he looks a you know way more comfortable on the ball now compared to you know who we actually have at right back. And I mean even centre back, you could even you know slot in the Marie role or holding role because I mean look, we yes, saw yes, you're right. One over by them, and then of course another news also with exits. Uh, Luca, uh, Lucas Torreira, that loan to Fiorentina is also now official with an option to buy. I think the fee is about 13 million if they now opt to buy him after the season. I mean, I actually hope so because I think the sooner we get him totally you know, out of our ear, the better. Same with, you know, Guendouzi, that's at Marseille. Um, then uh, William, I think by mutual agreement, that his contract uh, torn up by Arsenal. So that's also another you know, headache out of our ear because I just think it must have been offered nothing really. Because, I mean, you can say, look, I think Arteta also had this kind of big dreams of, of you know, the, the, with a project about him leading us to the Champions League and stuff. And, I mean, he did anything but that. Because, I mean, for me, it was just an easy meal ticket for him. And I think that has also been the thing that irked me a lot of some of the signings that we've now made in the last three, four years. You get, like, some players coming in and I mean, it's not for the love of the game or, or the love of, of getting Arsenal to where we need to be again. It's almost like people just taking you know, the contact by us because it's a big payday for them, that's it. Uh, and uh, I really think we missed a trick with Dumfries. I know we couldn't offer him Champions League football, but I mean, you know, you could have, or European football, but you could have obviously given him, you know, kind of a bumper contract because I really do rate him. And I think, he would have given us that that guile on the right hand side, like you could have actually used yeah. him and the, as that as a right wing back or a right back. But I mean, if we had to use him as a right wing back, the far is on the left wing back. You would have had a lot of energy and pace, and I think that could have covered you with you know like some Shaka and and um, you know even party at times or allowed that that kind of lack of mobility. That would have covered I think a lot for that. So you know it is what it is. But I mean now we. We we have a case of when Cedric's fit, like you also mentioned a few times. Um, Cedric's fit, but he gets overlooked by Arteta most of the time. Bellerin doesn't want to be there, and you know Chambers can only do so much because he's not the natural right back. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, look, if you think of it, the 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 fee that they uh, Inter ended up paying for for Dumfries was I think twelve point five million, and if was I think uh, based on trophies and that that he wins at at Inter. The fee then goes then up to fifteen million, and I mean, if you think we're paying enough for, yeah. for uh, Cedric for that four-year contract, it's about fifteen point six million. Exactly my point. You see, 
I mean, we could have maybe even had Cedric and Dumfries, um, but I mean, Dumfries takes that first spot. Yeah. You have a backup in Cedric. At least you have two players in that position. Your back line would kind of be sorted. I mean, it's not the worst back line with, with Ben White, uh, Mazi, yeah. uh, Chambers and Holding and Gabriel. I mean, they, you can work with that. And then, you know, you slowly start to get, you know, add one or two world-class players. You know, maybe we can be looking at the top four. But for now, you know, fingers crossed and let's hope we can get to the international break, you know, without craze. <laughs> okay, guys. Uh, hope you guys enjoy the weekend coming up. Uh, you know, maybe it's the game with the eyes closed or one hand in front of your eyes. Could get nasty. But, you know, let's stick, up, stick with our teeth and the guys. Come on, you gunners. Yeah, let's get the three points or even one this time. <laughs>